At this time, I would ask you to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. And while you're going there, while you're looking for that place, I'll just read one other passage, which is very, very relevant. And that is Numbers chapter 15. Numbers chapter 15. I start at verse 32 while you're turning to Mark 3. It reads, Now while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man most surely, the man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him and stones with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones and he died. This is a stoning for the Sabbath, for Sabbath violation. I read this because it gives a little bit more context to the passage that we are about to read. That is namely Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, the wicked religious leaders are looking at the Lord Jesus and their desire is to do the same exact thing to Jesus, as the Pharisees surely must have had as one of their little phrases, if you can't beat him, stone him. I don't think they said that, but I think you get the point. It is relevant for us, though, to begin at the end of chapter 2. So I will start Mark chapter 2, 23, and then move immediately into chapter Three, uh, into chapter 3. So the end of chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 3. This is the Word of God. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain, and the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might, ha might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? 
but they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. This is the reading of God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Praise be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit for every word that comes out of the mouth of our God. This time let us pray, our Heavenly Father, we delight in your word. We delight that you have spoken to your people as you have come to, to Abram on the plains of Mamre, as you have spoken to the children of Israel from the mountain, as you have spoken through prophets, as you have spoken through many ways, many times and in many ways you have spoken. I thank you that in these last days you have spoken by your Son, by the Spirit of your Son, and you have spoken through the reading of the word that we have just undertaken. We pray that you would be faithful and that you would make the preacher faithful, that you would make the hearers faithful in the proclamation and the listening. We pray that you would, in a mighty way, cause these words to be implanted in our hearts, and we pray that from our hearts you would harvest a great harvest of righteousness and holiness. Be with us, showing us mercy, O God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The book of Numbers, chapter 15, from which I began our reading, is very severe, and it is very, very serious. It is one of those passages where I find many, many atheists and skeptics of Christianity are, are very well acquainted. I have listened to the testimonies of many atheists and unbelievers, and they like to say things like this. I've read the Bible, and the best way to become an atheist is to read the Bible. And I have to say that I interpret that as, I have not read the Bible, but I have googled certain passages that I believe would be very, very embarrassing to Christians. Are you embarrassed by this passage? You ought not to be. There are some who like to talk about Numbers chapter 15 and act as if, look at this, this harmless little sin, picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. No one was harmed. But the fact is, there's something much more serious there. And you ought to be more offended by that man. Why? Because he defied God to his face. That is exactly what Adam and Eve did. What is the harm 
is not God overreacting. It is just a piece of fruit. It is just picking a piece of fruit. No, Adam and Eve defied God to his face. If God had taken the Sabbath lightly in the Old Covenant, in the Israelite nation, within that what we would call the theocracy, if it had been taken very lightly, then immediately the people would have gone into great amounts of sin. They would not have thought highly of the seriousness of what God has proclaimed and declared. However, there's much more to the story that we must come to understand. As I preached last week, and we had uh, quite a storm, and we had roads that interrupted a number of, of people from being able to be with us physically here, but I would just remind you, I sought to drive home what Mark speaks about in chapter 2. It is in 28. There we read the Son of Man, that is the Lord Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus Christ is the one who decides what is right to do and what is wrong to do. And what he pushes up against is man-made religion and man-made rules, man-made ideas of what is to be done and not to be done on the Sabbath and there must be an understanding that there are some th times and some things that need to be done on the Sabbath that would not be done ordinarily. Jesus decides what is lawful. In that case, it was fine. There was nothing wrong with the disciples picking a little bit of grain and eating of it. That was not a violation of God's commandments. It was a violation of man's commandments. And that is why the religious leaders were angry. Jesus makes the rules. And we come to understand as we read the Bible from Genesis all the way through Revelation that God has given the Sabbath and it was to be the seventh day of the week. But because of the resurrection, and because of the new covenant, it is changed to the first day of the week. It is not interesting the way that the disciples, the disciples after the resurrection begin to worship on the first day of the week. I don't have time to go into all the details of that, but uh, 1 Corinthians 16, the opening couple of verses, the Apostle Paul, he talks about setting aside for an offering, and they meet on the first day of the week. In Acts chapter 20, we have more uh, evidence that they do this. They meet on the first day of the week. It was the seventh day because they were anticipating something. It is the first day now because we look back to it. New creation has already begun because Jesus was raised on the first day of the week. 
In Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, John tells us that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You should see there are all kinds of crazy ideas. Commentators try and come up. He tried to say that he was in the Spirit on the day of the Lord. That is to say, on the, on the day of his coming. It's the Lord's day. And I could show you patristic writers, that is, writers from the first five centuries, that talk about this is what Christians do. We meet on the first day of the week. It is the Lord's day. And you know that it even stretches to today. If you were to go to Cyprus or to Greece and talk to a Greek speaker, it's interesting. They don't call it Sunday. You ever notice we have these names for our days? The names of our days are really pagan. Saturday being Saturn, Thor, Thursday, Sun and Moon, Sunday and Monday. You get the idea that our ancestors worshipped all kinds of nonsensical gods. What is it for a Greek speaker? It is the Lord's Day. They still call it secular, non-religious, even pagan Greek speakers. They call it the Lord's Day. Where do they get that? Revelation 1.10. The influence of the New Testament has gone on and on even unto today. So, with that in mind, though, Numbers chapter 15, stoning a man for breaking the Sabbath. You must understand that surely that was in the mind of the religious leaders. They're going to watch Jesus, this one who says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Well, let's test that. At least the, the, the Pharisees desire to test that. We see in verses 1 and 2, a man with a withered hand. A man with a withered hand, and he is in the synagogue. The synagogue was basically the church of the Old Testament. There was the temple. There there were sacrifices and a priesthood, etc. But the synagogue looked similar to what we would think of as a church. It had elders, it had deacons, it had a preacher, sometimes it had a teacher, and it had people who came to worship the Lord without sacrifice. They came to learn the Bible. So you can imagine this man, he has come to worship the Lord, and his hand is withered. Some sort of birth defect we trust. And the people are watching. And the Pharisees are watching. Now this man is presented before them. And he is healed. He is presented before them. And he is healed. The Lord Jesus presents him. He says, step forth. Then Jesus says to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? 
But they kept silent. And then you see what happens. Jesus is very angry at them, and he is grieved because of the hardness of their hearts. This is a strange question, though, is it not? Jesus asks some questions that are relevant. Is it good to do good? Is it lawful to do good or or bad on the Sabbath day? And then he talks about life and taking of life. Well, this man we trust is with this withered hand. He's, He's not in danger of uh, life and death situation. He's not in danger of dying. He's not on life support. Puzzling words. Puzzling words from the Lord Jesus. But we shouldn't be so puzzled when we see what they think and what they plan to do. Because after this man is healed, the Pharisees leave the synagogue And they go out with the intention of seeking to destroy the Lord Jesus. But it says, they band together with the Herodians. What were Herodians? Well, think of it like this. The Pharisees on the one side, religious leaders, not the the most kind to the the, uh, Roman government. In some ways, having some anti-government sympathies. Whereas the Herodians were a political group which was sold out to the Roman Empire and to the Herodian dynasty. See what's going on here. They go out and they band together. People who do not appreciate one another have been at odds with one another. Now they're coming together because they have a common cause, harming the Lord Jesus and killing the Lord Jesus. Notice that they do not rejoice in this man's healing. They are so hard. They are so wicked. It is awful. But we ought to ask ourselves, what is lawful to do on the Sabbath? And what is lawful to do on the Lord's Day, which is the New Testament component, the fourth commandment. It is lawful on the Sabbath or the Lord's Day to do good and to save life. That is what is implied by the Lord Jesus' words here. It is lawful for you on the Sabbath, on the Lord's Day, to do good and to save life. Jesus came into the world to fulfill the law, and Jesus succeeded at fulfilling the law. He did so by attending upon the Old Testament means of grace in the synagogue. He did so by attending upon the temple at the appropriate times and seasons, the feasts and festivals which are explained to us in the Old Covenant. But Jesus seems to have taken a particular delight in helping people 
in healing them and doing great good on the Sabbath day. That is really how we ought to see it. What am I lawfully allowed to do? I am allowed to do good. We see what happens. The Pharisees had made the Sabbath a burden filled with all sorts of man-made rules. And I think in our hearts, in fact, I know that in some of our hearts, we treat the Sabbath day just like the Pharisees. And we think, what am I allowed to do? What can I do? And in some ways, it's almost as if we're thinking, what can I get away with? In other words, there's as if there's a line that is drawn. And in our sinful hearts, we think, how close can I get? How close can I get to the edge and still be within the allowance of what is to be done on the Sabbath, on the Lord's day? However, Our primary thought ought to be, what has God given me the gift of opportunity to do on this day? That's really how we ought to see it first and foremost. What has God ordained for this day? Well, you know what is the best thing that you can do? One of the greatest goods is to worship the Lord to do good on the Sabbath day. To do good on the Lord's day definitely means to worship the Lord. In fact, you were created to worship. You were created to worship the Lord for all of eternity. And in some ways, do we not envy those glorious angels who are in the throne room of the Lord and their job is to pour out praise and honor and laud and adoration. Why? Because of the glory of the Lord that they are able to behold in some sense and be in the presence of, to be in the presence of the Lord. May we desire to have that, to worship to be freed up to worship the Lord because we love Him and because He is great and because He is awesome. For it is lawful for us on the Sabbath day, on the Lord's day, to worship the Lord. And there's nothing better. We ought not to sit around and debate what we ought to do and what we ought not to do. Like I said, first and foremost, What are we freed up to do? To worship the Lord and to do good. If you read the fourth commandment, it does make it clear that the father of the household, the children, the the, the servants, even the animals are given a day of relief, a day of rest. And in the sinfulness of our hearts, do we not just push and push and push and go, and go, and go. I do believe that if your boss were to give you a day off, you would take it. 
How absurd would you to be, to be to come to go into work? But for whatever reason, God gives you a day off, and you say, I will not take it. I must I must fill my time with with the same sorts of things that I do on the other days of the week. I think that we are too much affected by our own society. May the Sabbath or the Lord's Day be a day in which we seek not to work ourselves and seek not to have others work for us. That's really, it's really that simple. It's really that simple. You are free. You are free to do on that day those things that you may not find that you have time to do. To go give and visit widows or people in nursing homes or others who are in need. Of course, around the times of our worship, there are, of course, necessities. Doctors and nurses, policemen. We cannot, we cannot uh, but have such exceptions. We cannot tell people you can't eat because you're in a hospital. You have to fast on the Lord. Eh, I'm not going to require that. Police officers, no working on Sunday. Well, you know who will be working on Sunday. The thieves working overtime. People of God, children of the living God, do not see the, the, the Lord's day as a burden. See it as a delight. That is, this is what Isaiah 58 tells you to do. To call the Sabbath a delight. To be freed up to worship. To spend time with family. To eat with them. To read good books with them. To read Bible and catechism. To sing together as a family. To do all the things that we just feel we do not have much time for on other days of the week. Oh, that Christians would once again keep the Sabbath day and keep the Lord's day. Not in a legalistic fashion. Not in a pharisaical fashion. But in a sense that we would say this is the blessing of the Lord. And I do not want to waste it. I want my life to be changed on this day. For good, I need to be sanctified. I need to be conformed more to the image of Jesus Christ, my Savior. And so therefore I attend upon the means of grace. I worship the Lord. And we attend Sunday school or, or whichever things your elders would call you to do. Well, while Christ's words seem strange at first, this withered hand, as I said, is not about life and death per se. Do you see what the Lord Jesus is doing? He is the one who is able to read hearts and minds. And that is what he does with these Pharisees. He is able to read, to look right into their hearts. Because they think that they are going to be rid of a nuisance. 
this religious leader, this little upstart punk, is coming into places where he ought not to come, and he is taking away our authority, and he is contradicting us, and how dare he? And so they think that if they can have him stoned, or even more so, you know where it's going to go, if they can have him crucified, then they will put him down and they will retain their power. However, they do not know the end from the beginning and they do not realize that their wickedness, their sinful hearts, and their sinful actions as they band together Pharisees and Herodians, as they come together to harm the Lord Jesus, they do not realize that the Lord is sovereign over this and everything is going according to plan because the Lord Jesus did not resist going to the cross. Indeed, he came in the body, fullness of divinity, fullness of humanity, and he came into the world for that very purpose, so that he would be destroyed, so that he would be pierced for our transgressions, so that he would suffer the righteous for the unrighteous. That's you and me. God made him who had no sin to be sin for you and for me. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to plot to kill a man? No, it is not lawful. You understand, you understand that biblically speaking, just as it is lust in the heart to lust after a woman, it is a sin to do that just as it is to go through with it and commit adultery. So it is, as the Bible says, as Jesus says, the Sermon on the Mount, to be angry at your brother without cause. That's a very important word. It's taken out of some Bibles. To be angry at your brother without cause. These Pharisees have no cause to be angry with Jesus Christ, their brother. It was utter wickedness. But it was what would bring redemption for you and me. For you were purchased with the blood of Christ to cover over all of your sins, all of our lusts, all of our idolatries, all of our Sabbath breakings, and all of our covetousness. The blood of the Lord Jesus, it washes us and it cleanses us. Well, you must understand, though, that the work of the Lord Jesus to do good on the Lord's day, on the Sabbath day, it continues. 
six days a week, the Lord Jesus, the King over all. He has the power to save and to strengthen and to heal any man, any woman, and any child. But you must understand that this day, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, it is a day in which the Lord Jesus continues this healing ministry. It is a day in which He continues His life-giving ministry. The Lord Jesus can save on any day of the week. But interestingly, it is especially on the Lord's Day. That is the day where throughout the whole entire world, people walk into Christian assemblies. Now they are as dead men walking. They are dead in transgressions and sins. But as Ephesians 2, 4 says, two words in your English, three words in the original Greek, but God. Walking around in deadness, they walk into a Christian assembly and they hear the gospel proclaimed and the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ, His suffering and His death and His resurrection is then applied to believers applied to non-believers as well. And they become believers. It's extraordinary when you think of it. Here is the Holy Spirit applying the redemption of Jesus. And we trust that it is happening even now. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? If you have not, then come to Jesus Christ and be brought back to life. Come to Him and be healed. Jesus does a mighty work on the Lord's day. Also, there are many who are dealing with many wounds, mental wounds, spiritual wounds, and there are many confused. But the Word of God rightly read and proclaimed and properly applied, is it not a healing balm to the people of the Lord? Does God not use the read and the preached Word to counsel His people and to, to, to draw away those who are wandering to draw them back into the fold. Those who are at odds with one another. The Lord Jesus sometimes uses the preached word to begin the process of healing wounds and fractured relationships. It is on the Lord's day. Especially, not only, but especially on the Lord's day that the wonderful work of the Lord Jesus continues. For He heals people and coming to understand His mighty, mighty work. 
the Lord Jesus, even on days like this, restores, restores the years that the locusts have eaten. Our Savior is glorious. Look what he does. See with eyes of faith the healing and the raising of the dead on this, the day of all days, the best, the Lord's day. It is lawful for you, O Christian, to worship the Lord and to do good and to heal. May we continue to do so. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we mourn wasted Sabbath days, wasted Lord's days when we have done our own thing. We mourn our pharisaical hearts when we have made the Lord's day or the Sabbath more about what we can and cannot do. We do thank you for the way that you have set us free, set us free from man's ideas and freed us up to do good. Help us, O oh Father, to look and to find opportunities to do good, even outside of the worship service. Help us, O oh Lord, to see souls saved, to, be, to see dead men and women brought, brought from death, spiritual death, to spiritual life, that they would walk with us on the King's Highway as they walk with us to the place of paradise. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, and have, have ever before us the dying and the rising of the Lord Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen.